Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well today. It is Wednesday, April 6th, and it is time for Bible study. Today we are looking at Revelation chapter 7, and I just want to thank you for making this a part of your day. Hope you've enjoyed the first six chapters of Revelation. Uh, chapters 2 and 3 took us a little while to get through. We did the seven letters to the seven churches. A lot of interesting stuff there, and if you missed those, you can go back and find those podcasts. Uh, but today uh, we are looking at Revelation chapter 7. The 144,000. What is that all about? So let's jump right in. Verses 1 through 4, the 144,000. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind could blow on earth or sea or against any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to damage earth and sea, saying, Do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we have marked the servants of our God with a seal on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed out of every tribe of the people of Israel. So, Interesting, interesting verse here. Uh, angel ascending from the from, from the rising of the sun, right? Angel standing on the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. I mean, it's like, what is going on here? And then they said, don't damage the earth, not until we've sealed 144,000. So, okay, what does this all mean? The phrase four corners of the earth uh, is an ancient equivalent to the idea of the four points of the compass. Uh, the idea is that these angels have authority or effect or control or impact the entire world. If we're looking at a map, it might be the four corners of the map, uh, the four p- points of the compass. Uh, they are they have authority and over and dominion over the entire world. And so they're doing what God says over the entire world. And so it says, Hold on, hold on, wait a second. Don't let the four winds of the earth blow. What are, so what are these four winds of the earth? So the four winds of the earth basically are God's destructive judgment, right? God's destructive judgment comes in the four winds of the earth. And we live in Texas, and this, this spring has been an eventful one. And so we can see the winds of the earth being destructive uh, in tornadoes and just in straight line winds. And so the four winds of the earth are destructive. Um, Hosea thirteen fifteen says, Though he is fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come from the wilderness. Then his spring will become dry and his fountain shall be dried up. The wind of the Lord is a destructive force of God's judgment. And so uh, these four angels are holding back the four winds of the earth. So that the destructive power of God's judgment is being held back, uh, being held back for now. The other angel says, do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we have marked the servants of our God with a seal on their forehead. So this other angel, uh, oh, this, this other angel must have been like their manager, the, the one in charge, the one who told them what to do. And he said, hold off until they have been sealed. So what is this seal? What is this seal? Um, interesting. We as Christians, we put the seal, uh, or the mark of the the sign of the cross on ba- on foreheads during baptism, 
and it says you have been sealed by the cross of Christ and marked, I'm sorry, you have been marked by the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. So what is this mark that they are talking about? Well, uh, it's easy to jump and say, well, it's the mark of the cross of the Christ and being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Does that make us one of the 144,000 because we have been baptized? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But but this is a common thing that happens uh, in the ancient world. A king or property owner could use a seal to show ownership uh, of something. And so uh, basically this seal says ownership, says you are, you belong to me, you are mine. And so in this sealing of the Holy Spirit, basically what we're saying is that all the baptized belong to God. Through the Holy Spirit, all the baptized belong to God. We have been marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so we belong to God. Does that mean we are one of the 144,000? Well, many different people have tried to figure out who the 144,000 are. And many different groups have claimed to be the 144,000. For example, the Jehovah's Witnesses once said that their entire group was the 144,000 until their group had more than 144,000. Now they say that the 144,000 are only a select group of the Jehovah's Witness who get into heaven. Uh, Biblical scholars, some say that the 144,000 is the church or the number of converted Jewish people who are still identified as Israelites in some manner. Um, But if they are a symbol of the church, then the church is definitely in the Great Tribulation, um, but sealed by the Holy Spirit and survives the Great Tribulation. So who are they? Well, okay, let's let's use Scripture to tell us a little bit more. Let's use the book of Revelation to tell us a little more about who the 144,000 are. So uh, we have Revelation 7 that tells us uh, they are children of Israel. If we would read uh, verses 5 through 8, it would tell us that these 144,000 belong to the different tribes of Israel. And so there's very specific tribal affiliation. Uh, If we jump ahead to Revelation 14, that says more about it. It says that these people are protected uh, through the period of God's wrath, and they meet with Jesus at Mount Zion at his return. It says that they are celibate. It says that they are virgins. Uh, it says that they are the beginning of a greater harvest. That's Revelation 14.4. And it says they are marked by integrity and faithfulness, Revelation 14.5. So taken together, these facts make it impossible to say exactly who they are. Uh, and and it's, they're not a symbolic picture of the church because in the church you have people who are married with children. So they're not celibate, right? And so it, it really... This description in Revelation 14 really kind of paints a picture, a very odd picture of who these people are. And so it's difficult for us to say who exactly they are, right? It precludes so many people. I should say it excludes so many people based on on what we're hearing and reading about here in Revelation 14. So so what should we think of this? group of 144,000 people. Many people read this and they read it out of context and they just read the first eight verses or they just read the first four verses and they think there's only 144,000 people getting into heaven. I probably am not going to be one of them, right? I mean, if you think about it, the church is 2,000 years old, so that's like 70 people a year get in. 70 people a year over the course of 2,000 years get in. 70 people throughout the earth, like I'm not going to be one of the 70 because I don't fit all the 
all the requirements of Revelation 14. So what what are we supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to think about that? Well, um, I don't know, but I can tell you that the 144,000, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably most likely not part of the 144,000. And that's okay because we need to go to verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the lamb, robed in white with, wild, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. You are not going to be part of the 144,000, but you will be part of the great multitude that no one can count. I mean, if you think about, can you count 144,000 people? Well, yes, but it would take you a while, right? If you went to, like, I, I, I love going to University of Michigan football games. Love it. Me and my closest 111,000 friends, right? We go there to, to watch Michigan play football. Um, you can count 111,000 people. They do it on Sundays in the fall, right? And so you look around, you're like, oh, that's what 111,000 people look like. So, I mean, you're just adding in another, what, 33,000? to make it 144,000. So 144,000 is not that big of a crowd. I mean, you can see you can see what 144,000 looks like. You know, the NASCAR races sometimes will have that many people. But the the great multitude that no one can count from every tribe, uh, from every nation, all peoples, all languages standing before the throne, that's where we come in. So heaven is not limited to 144,000 people. These 144,000 people are a specific subset within heaven. We don't know who they are. We know kind of the attributes that would go along with them. But we can say, I want to be part of the great multitude. I'm going to be part of the great multitude, the, the great diverse multitude of every nation, every tribe, all the people and languages, all worshiping God, standing before the throne, cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. We get evidence that the great commission is fulfilled. Therefore, go to all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this beautiful image of this 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 heavenly choir, this heavenly congregation that includes every nation, every tribe, every people, all the different kinds of languages. That's where we find ourselves, right? And they had palm branches in their hands, which I think is it's a, it's a great week to be doing this because this is Palm Sunday. It's Passion Sunday. It is the beginning of Holy Week coming up. It is where Jesus has his triumphant entry where they took palms and they waved it as he was coming in. They waved it as in praise Jesus as Savior and King saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem, right, under these this great parade of victory, because palm branches were emblems of victory. And so the people, they, they wave their palm branches and showing the victory of God, the victory of God, the eternal victory of God, worshiping God, saying salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God. It's important that we hear that because the people in heaven recognize that those, that those who are saved are saved because salvation belongs to God. God is the source of salvation. God gives salvation. No one earns it. No one, no one gets it on their own. Everyone gets it through God. And so it's not about our good works. It's not about the ways in which we please God, but it's about the gift that God gives us. Salvation is a gift that God gives us. Salvation belongs to our God and to no one else. All right. And then just to finish the chapter, verses 13 through 17. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, 
Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The end of verse seventeen. There, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I, I this I love verse thirteen. The uh, one of the elders says, "Who are these robed in white? And what are they? Where have they come from?" It's like John says, "I don't know. You know. You're the one who knows. Why don't you tell me?" It's like John was there watching this, and they, you know, you imagine that there was just like in awe, right? And and didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to think. Didn't even know the question that he said ask. And so one of the elders comes up. And prompted him to ask it. Like, who are all these people? John goes, I don't know. Who are they? And he says, well, good question. Let me tell you. This is the vast multitude from every tribe and nation. Those who God has rescued for God's kingdom, right? They have gone through the period of the great ordeal or the great tribulation. They have gone through the great difficulty and God has rescued them and God has saved them. Now, some scholars say that because they are mentioned right after the 144,000, that some think that they are, at least in part, due to the work of those 144,000 servants of God. And so maybe those 144,000 were evangelists who went out and proclaimed the good news, the, who went out as part of the Great Commission and who, who told people the, the gospel and who the Spirit worked through to save the great multitude but but i just love this idea of john doesn't know what to ask he's just looking around and this elder comes up like hey let me help you figure things out here let me help you figure things out um so a little bit about the redeemed a little bit about the saved uh it says that they worship god day and night so in heaven there is worship day and night which got me thinking, I didn't realize there was night in heaven. I thought it was always day because you can't have night when you are by, you know, the, the light, that God is the light. Uh, but interesting. Uh, uh, but more importantly, they hunger no more. They thirst no more. The sun doesn't strike them, nor any scorching heat. And God guides them to the springs of the water of life and will wipe away every tear from their eye. So they know care, the loving care and nurture of God who provides for their every need leads them besides leads them to the living fountains of waters. God takes away their sadness, wipes away every tear from their eye. I imagine there will be tears in heaven, but it will be tears of joy, not tears of sadness, because in heaven those who are saved know no more sorrow or pain. It is all taken away. The hurts and the struggles of this early life are gone. And the reasons to cry for sadness and pain are gone. God has wiped those away. And so that is Revelation chapter 7, this beautiful vision that God has, a vision that can be confusing, a vision about the 144,000 trying to figure out who they are, but just ignore that. It doesn't matter who they are. 
just know that the great multitude, the great multitude of those who worship in heaven is what is promised to those who are baptized, those who have been marked with the cross of Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit. You will become part of that great heavenly congregation and God will wipe away all the tears from your eyes and will take care of you and nurture you for all of eternity. And the people of God say, amen. That sounds great to me. So, all right, there is Revelation chapter seven. Thanks again for joining me today. Hope you're doing very well. And uh, there will be no podcast or Bible study next week because it is Holy Week, but we will return in a couple weeks. Take good care of yourselves and we will see you then.